Man Hut. All right, you <laughs> maggots. Put down your Fortnite. <laughs> Take your dicks out of your hands and listen up. I am Lieutenant General Major Abigail Thorne, United States Army Marine Corps, and you're listening to the Kill James podcast, which is the only podcast that stands on a wall between this glorious nation and gay Marxist communism. And and I weep for our great country when I see the sorry state of you pieces of garbage. You're the worst podcast audience ever to be charted onto the underpants of content. But never fear, we will whip you into shape. Joining me uh, are the the major colonel captain, Devon Admiral. Hello, good evening. And and judge, advocate, lawyer, prosecutor, uh, Sir Keir Alice Caldwell Kelly, MC. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have a guest. Another day volunteering at the Betsy Ross Museum. Everyone keeps asking me if they can fuck the flag, but they won't even let me fuck it. Oh, oh, we got uh, it's us. We got Komodo Dad from War Takes. We did a few good men. Who the fuck is Betsy Ross? Yeah. For the for the for the listener, we genuinely were like, "Oh, Abby, would you like to do the the like drill yeah, instructor?" Yeah, she intro, immediately like, said, "Which we will have to bleep both times." No, we won't. <laughs> yes, we will. I think it's funny no, if we, we do. All of us are, apart from I don't think Mo takes it actually. I'm bisexual. Oh, then we all are. Yeah, I say, bleep, the, are I say bleep it the first time, but not the second. It's YouTube rules, so you can't swear in the mm. first ninety seconds. Oh, so smart. Okay, yeah. The, the worst, the worst drill instructor thing, or maybe the best that I've ever heard of, was a Canadian Navy women's basic training platoon sergeant, whose opening line was, "When I say attention, I want to hear twenty cunts snapping shut." And I think I about that occasionally. That yeah. <laughs> My drill sergeant used to say that. Hmm. The Canadian military is a special kind of like I, I yeah it, because you have those weird British traditions mixed with American style sensibilities. Like I got told by a guy I played armor with who'd been in the Canadian Army, he said thank you in the chow line, and the NCO that was giving him food went, "Don't thank me, thank the Queen." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. It's All right. The Queensberry. So we saw she's dead. A few good men. The we best did. Sorkin movie. Um, this was my If you're pick. not familiar with A Few Good Men, it's a military legal drama which is chiefly memorable for Jack Nicholson going, you can't handle the truth, and like the big sort of like courtroom scene. That's like ten minutes at the end of a two-hour movie. I find the rest of the two-hour movie much more interesting than that. Um, but this, so, this movie was the basis of everybody's Jack Nicholson impression for the next 20 to 30 years. Yeah, oh, this yeah. is a cultural touchstone. Yeah, and it, it also, I, we were talking about this before we started recording, set off a bunch of, like, military legal dramas, like, a whole subculture that culminated in the show JAG, but, like, there was there were others of these. Um, they did, like, Heart's War for, like, a World War II, and that's a really deep cut. Uh, what was the other one we were talking about? Uh, uh, Courage Under Fire NCIS. wasn't quite a 
Yeah, NCIS what? was a spin-off. No, it was a, of a Rules of Engagement. Rules oh, of Engagement. Samuel, 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 Samuel we'll have to Jackson. do that at some point, yeah. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but so we begin in Guantanamo Bay before it was bad. I, I know it was still bad, but before it was as bad. Um, yeah, it doesn't where... quite mean the same thing as it does now. <laughs> in the halcyon yeah. days of Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Remember when Guantanamo case. Bay wasn't hard? Remember when it was, wasn't woke? <laughs> Yeah, pre-woke Guantanamo Bay, we see a pair of Marines who do not have to state their pronouns and are wearing woodland camouflage because before the Marines had their special boy camouflage, um, go into one of their squad mates' room, uh, tie him up with duct tape, which it doesn't work, it twists up on itself, anyway, uh, and then like gag him with a sponge, attempt to beat him, but then he dies like almost instantly. Um... And that's our inciting incident. Yeah, it's the, it's the sponge to. that kills you instantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a shame, but... <laughs> I, I don't know why they issue that. I really don't. Um, where it's we go to the credits... Over. You know, you know they, yeah. they, it's just tradition at this point. It, you know, they tried to get rid of the sponge that kills you instantly, and, and just some of the conservative members of Congress were not having it. It's tradition. Well, because, you know, oh, the yeah, core yeah. doesn't change, right? Chesty Puller used to eat one of those sponges for breakfast every day. And, you know, because of that, it's just like, it's a tradition. It's kind of like... It's, an... it's the Queen's anyway, sponge. That's right. Um, we, we go to the, the opening credits, the which are... sponge every day. Some some nice slick sort of silent drill, lots of spinning rifles around. Mm, um, very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> did, did, did you have, have thoughts you about the drill? Uh, this was yeah, my first. Yeah, notes okay, about this? Fine. Yeah, I took exactly one note during the course of this movie, um, which I'm, which is which is just this shit fruity as hell, and then I put my phone down for two hours um, because silent, silent drill is fruity as hell. You're not wrong. It's like the the quick marching in the fucking wind and lion. Everyone who'd ever seen anything militarily was like, "Oh, that's very impressive." Whereas I was sat there going, "What the fuck are they doing?" What the hell is this shit? Yeah, was it Sartre who said that like part of the point of goose stepping and such is that it looks ridiculous, but you're too scared to laugh at it? Yeah, I I feel like that's true of a lot of drill. I'd be interested Um, to know whether these actors or whether these people on screen are actors, sporting artists, or whether they are in fact real military people. Because I assume it would take a long time to train. At the end, they thank them in the credits, specifically. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not the Marine Corps silent drill platoon. They're like one of the um, weird military college-like drill platoons. Wait, they have their own platoon for doing for silent drill? Yeah. Like, in case yeah. you have to do drill at night when people are asleep? Or? Yeah, you see them <laughs> like in London every time. so often. They're just walking down the street with their headphones on, doing silent <laughs> drill. <laughs> so, well, this needs different we now, music. Yeah. We now go to the Laws Factory, the place where they make all of the laws for the army, where... Demi Moore, uh, a lieutenant commander in the US Navy, is walking in, giving herself her little, like, psyching herself up speech, because she's gonna ask for her boss for the big promotion. I've um, made a curious note here, which is, um, Demi Moore is a Navy lawyer, dash, mm-hmm. Alice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it says. That's all it says. <laughs> I, I don't know, I... <laughs> I think that's uh, that might be flattering me a bit, but uh, just just because she has a voice that sounds like she eats cigarettes and she looks good in a uniform, and she's a lawyer, I mm, yeah, um, I just imagine this is you throughout. Thank you. Uh, but so she's nervous. She's like psyching herself up because she wants to go and ask her boss for permission to represent these two marines who are now on trial for murder. They're being flown up from Guantanamo Bay to the Washington Navy Yard, where this is. Um, and we get this sort of 
first conversation, which is very Sorkin-esque, right? And I, I feel it's important to talk about Aaron Sorkin's dialogue. If you don't know Aaron Sorkin, is the guy who did The West Wing, um, along with, like, The Newsroom, a bunch of other sort of, like, He's got a play stuff. on in London at the moment, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And how would we describe Aaron Sorkin's sort of way of writing dialogue? It's very, um... I might have sn- a, 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 some thoughts here. Please. Aaron Sorkin has a dial, and that dial has exactly three positions on it. The first position, position A, is uh, smarmy. Smarmy mm-hmm. and, and smug. Position B is angry. Lots of shouting. And position C is sort of uh, maudlin and sappy. More often, he will yeah. switch between position A and B rapidly, and then occasionally take you over to position C, and then come back again. Yeah, and this is fully in the mold of like position A, like repartee is the way you would describe this. Well, I, I mean, think. he, he like, writes like, like somebody who writes for the stage, and this was originally yeah. a play. And, he was, and this was a play, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I should qualify yeah. there, like, I'm going to give Darren Sorkin a hard time, but I, I, I've watched every episode of The West Wing at least once, most of them twice. It's part of the reason I ended up on the path I'm on. Uh, and there's still a lot of aspects of the West Wing's work that I genuinely still like, even as I've sort of evolved in my positions over time. But I am going to give him a real hard time, nonetheless. Oh, yeah. I have a I, list of I, Sorkinisms in here, which are things he has reused between all of his series and properties, whole cloth. And I have a running tally throughout this. Yeah, he one sort of like, at the time, quite coked up liberal is still able to like reach for the sort of the highest ideals of American liberalism. And, you know, a decent proportion of the time, I think he gets there. Yeah, right? well, uh, we'll talk later on about this film and, like, liberalism, yeah. I think, when we get to the end. Um, but but anyway, so one thing, hmm, one thing I like is that she, she fucks up her speech. She, like, trips over herself because she's sort of forced herself into, like, a sort of very grammatical phrasing of, I think, that perhaps I should be the council whomst is representing. Uh, and, and she, like, trips over it, um, which I like. She's very nervous. And her boss, who is a captain... Uh, has this sort of like good line, which I I, I use as an exa- an example of Sorkinisms. Sort of, they only work when they're delivered completely deadpan, right? Yes. And it's this. Andrew Galloway, why don't you get yourself a cup of coffee? Thank you, sir. I'm fine. I'd like you to leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back. Certainly, sir. It's 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 very funny. It's a good stage it's Sorkinism line. number one. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it like. Two things. It, it requires that sort of like, uh, you know, deadpan, not winky at the camera thing. Um, it also requires a sort of a certain amount of like stage like exaggeration, which in this case means requiring a woman to have made Lieutenant Commander without knowing, like, be- being able to understand what that means and right. having to have it explained to her, right? There's a lot of exposition in this movie that's handled that way where it's stuff that you should, like, these characters, it does not make sense for them not to know, and you have to, like, you, you feel yourself being sort of, like, led along. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the vibe is um, that the official story is that these two Marines who we saw at the start, Dawson and Downey, they killed the third Marine, Santiago, um, apparently uh, to prevent Santiago from naming Dawson in a fence-line shooting incident. Like, he fired over the fence at Cuba, um, and Santiago was going to tell on them, and so they killed him, right? Um she thinks there is more to it than that. And she specifically uses this phrase code red, which we'll find out the meaning of later. And she's like, I think there's more to this story. I want to be their lawyer. And then they just like, no, mm-hmm. fuck off. No, they don't take her seriously um, because yeah. she's, she's a, a woman. woman. It's implied pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, she, she's like not a trial lawyer. She's like too aggressive, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they go, okay, who do we have that we can give this to? A dipshit. Give it to yeah, let's give it to this guy. The baseball dipshit. 
And this is our favorite Scientologist and yours, Tom Cruise. Um, mm -hmm. A guy who woke up to be informed that he has been in the military for about a year that morning and has no memory of that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. He just sort of, like, shows up. He, like, saunters into meetings and stuff. Uh, he, he is remarkably casual. Along with him is assigned uh, his... Um, yeah, his assigned homie. Sam Weinberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah his assigned like, You're in charge Weinberg. of this, and this guy's got to hang out with you and make uh, wisecracks. And he's yeah. like, all right, cool. Yeah. Sick. He exists. Yeah. Kevin Pollack has two times where he says, I have no responsibilities here whatsoever, where he might as well be looking directly into the camera, breaking <laughs> the fourth wall. <laughs> saying, yeah. I am here to bounce quips off of. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. But I love him for it. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's my so, favorite part of the fucking so movie. Tom Cruise has been assigned to be the lawyer, and like question mark, was the sponge that kills you instantly poisoned? Like maybe that was the vibe. I do, I do really like Tom Cruise's performance in this. I think he does a oh, really does well. great he's job. Great. He makes he's interesting choices. Mm. He's just a really good actor who's currently working. He's a really good <laughs> producer as well. He he's makes like, he's, a lot of films in the genre that we mm, might personally he's, examine he's quite soon. He's currently producing a lot of like this is, this very is be good, very projects. awkward for us when we do the Mission Impossible series. Um, yeah, so really soon. good, really, really good. <laughs> he's sort of like this. Um, this honestly, his religion is his own business, and like, I just that's not any of my concern. <laughs> it's not our responsibility to ask where David Miscavige's wife is. Like, who she might have yeah, just it's, gone it's, off it's somewhere. Not, for it's the not. Vibes. Our, it's yeah, and and you know, for us to know that he said later that he based his performance in this film on David Miscavige, an insane man. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's neither here nor there. Um, however, he spends almost no time working. He spends most of his time, like, playing softball, but not even really playing softball, just, like, in a sort of batting cage situation. Um, but he does go to meet uh, just Demi dingers. Moore. He's not even playing softball, dingers. really. He's just socking yeah. dingers, and that's it. Just do you want like, to see me practice the law, or do you want me to see me whop a few dingers? Yeah! <laughs> and and he, go, he goes to meet her in her office, and at this point, I, the, the flames start to appear on Again, the side Again, this of my guy face. has no idea that he's in the military, as far as I can tell. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he, sh he shows up, he like sits down without being asked, he's chewing an apple like in her face the whole time, and she doesn't so much as frown at him. And he, she, she outranks him by by two pay grades. He's a lieutenant junior grade, and she's like a lieutenant commander. And she just like at no point is she like more than like sort of a mild scolding, like get your shit together. It's, I, dis it's I disagree. I I think I really like Demi Moore's performance in this scene because she's already been told by her commanding officer, "This is the guy who's got the job." There's fuck all she can do about it. And I think she does a great job of just being like. Silently, quite contemptuous of this disrespect. That's, you know that's nothing that's she can do about it. Like, that's a good point. I, I, think great, about it. I think she's more obliging than contemptuous. She even hands him a bin for his apple core, and I'm just like, it, it, okay. this is a little, this is a small little thing, but I like the way he like after he throws the apple away, he rubs his hands together to get the sticky shit off his hands. Oh, gross. He's so gross. Uh, he he is playing a spoiled brat, and he's good at it. It's like compelling or whatever. But like to me, this is it's just it's unbelievable. Like I you have to do. Just a, a crumb of research. Like, what is this? Like, the a cadet force or the Bundeswehr or something? Like, there's no semblance of military discipline. You have to, like, gesture to it. Anyway. She informs uh, him wait. that Santiago, the kid who was killed, wanted to be hmm. transferred off the base. So, and Tom Cruise yeah. is surprised and to hear this. Oh, that's kind of weird. Like, yeah. And he was writing to sort of everyone outside of his chain of command. He wrote to the, the you know, the commandant of the Marine Corps, the secretary of the Navy, his senator, all of this. 
Um, and so she suspects that this has gotten back to his chain of command and they have ordered him to be punished in a way that has resulted in his death. This sort of the code red that we still don't know what it means yet. Also, because Sorkin loves whiz kids, right? He loves an extremely annoying but very competent young man. That's the whole vibe off of Tom Cruise in this. It's like, he's a great lawyer, he just doesn't want to be in the Navy. Um, and she, she like, comes to confront him while he's socking dingers later on. Um, and she, genuinely, she gives him the sort of, the like, she finally chews him out. She's like, you're a piece of shit, you don't want to be in the Navy. You're in the Navy because your dad was in the Navy, and you're just, like, sort of marking time. Um, and he just fully goes, I'm sexually aroused, Commander. It's, it's like, yep. that's... Mm. Now, there is a small part of me that wants to put a, like... This she, is a movie about military the cinema crimes. sins ding, really, is what Yeah, the, the cinema sins ding is what I'm thinking of, because this is a movie about, like, military law. And it fails to understand that military law is, like, a thing that exists. It applies to a lot of things that, you know, in ordinary circumstances would not be, like, enforceable law. It, it, like, not saluting an officer is, in, a, in an extremely sort of prescribed way, a federal crime, right? And so you can't do that, man! You can't just sexually harass a woman who is your superior officer by being like, yo, this makes my dick hard. This it is an Article 134 military sexual harassment <laughs> charge, which will probably result in an Article 15 non-judicial punishment. They'll probably plea bargain it down where he just has to voluntarily separate without being charged, but it's going to be on his record. Good luck getting a job, Lieutenant Cappy. Yeah, c- c- cinema sins ding. And the other thing is, like... Got it. I think it's it's like a <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Feel free to call for that at every point onward. I will do. I I think it's like a cultural misunderstanding too, right? Because there's a lot of people who don't want to be in the military. I have seen their TikToks, right? But it's a different. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I've seen them it, too. It's this is different. This whole scene is is Sorkinism number two, with Sorkinism number three being normally it takes hours until someone blah blah blah. Yeah, and and like. There's there's an idea of what someone sort of like just marking time being in the military, not wanting to be looks like, and it's they have had a certain amount of this shit bullied into them by force that you don't just say, "Yo, my dick hard as hell right now." But speaking of people being bullied into things, we go into an extended flashback sequence where when Santiago's still mm-hmm. alive, we see that he's kind of not really very good at being a marine. He's, no. he's, kind of he's like, a fuck up. Yeah, he's like he falls, falls behind. behind. He's, al- he's like alone. People don't like him. He's a bit of a dick. Like, um, and we also see this flashback sequence where we meet the commander of Gitmo, which is Jack Nicholson. That's right. Um, that's and he's right. Uh, at this point, I write down in all caps, "Yo, that's drill." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love his performance in this. In particular, his physical performance because he's, if you notice, he's like moving around a lot, like within the frame, and like he paces around and like crosses his arms and uncrosses them. He's a shifty bastard. It's a great physical performance. Again, very mm. theatre. Yeah. Yeah. And we get sort of a, a, a conference of officers here where we have uh, Colonel Drill, mm-hmm. uh, his, his, his XO, Lieutenant Colonel Markinson, who is wearing the period accurate 90s dad glasses that everyone in the US military wore at that point, mm-hmm. and, 
And a young Kiefer Sutherland. Hey, Kiefer Sutherland here, looking like like a face apt younger version of Kiefer Sutherland. Like it, yeah. it's weird to me, man. Okay, I'm glad I'm the only one who picked up on that. His is like compared to older Kiefer, he he almost looks like like he's been digitally altered. I don't know what happened between them in like 24, but he like grew into his own face. <laughs> he looks about 16. Yeah. He's still got like puppy it's fat so, in this. It's, it's like so he looks like a second lieutenant. It's like FFS yeah. three months ago still got some swell. Kiefer Sutherland like <laughs> he does a great and, and job so, in this though he's so he's, good yeah. he's just oh, he's weirdly young, I, like- I, I really like this scene because this scene is Jack Nicholson dominates this room and you get the the sort of the lethal lethal feeling of a of a senior officer deploying sarcasm against you um, and he he just he turns to them that because what Markinson wants to do is to transfer him off the base make him someone else's problem it's the easiest thing to do. There's like it's a big Marine Corps. There's lots of niches. They'll they'll find something for him. And he, he goes. Maybe we as officers have a responsibility to this country to see that the men and women charged with its security are trained professionals. Yes, I'm certain that I read that somewhere once. And it really it's, can, he's so like, good. He's so he's fucking good, good dude. <laughs> This, this, this whole I, scene is like yeah. I, I like to see in particular because it illustrates between Marcuson and and uh, and Kendrick, which is Keith Sutherland's character. Uh, mm. the, there's the two dominant types of professional marine that I, especially I've encountered in in, in this field, which is Markinson represents the sort of erudite sort of I'm doing scare quotes here warrior scholar type where he's mm. like got a master's degree probably from like Georgetown or Johns Hopkins or something. He writes articles. He probably publishes in War on the Rocks and all stuff, gets to a staff position in Washington. And then Kendrick represents the type of professional Marine where he eats crayons three meals a day. Every other (laughs) word that comes out of his mouth is a slur. He will probably (laughs) be forced to retire under sketchy circumstances for misconduct. And he will immediately shift into a right-wing grift uh, and make, TikToks in his truck wearing sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, one of these guys has a big Marine Corps uh, like Eagle Globe and Anchor sticker on his truck, and it's not Markinson. Exactly. We learned something really important about um, Jack Nicholson in this scene, Colonel Drill, um, because uh, Markinson's like, we need to get rid of Santiago. Colonel Drill's like, no, keep him, and then uh, dismisses Kiefer Sutherland, and then he's just like, don't ever fucking question my authority in front of the men again, ever. Like, we learn the important thing about his character, which is that he does not like being questioned. Yes, and he's he's a big believer in chain of command in the most rigid sense. I I do want to shout out Kiefer Sutherland because he does a great job in a scene where all he has to do is look scared and tense. But like, there's this great line that is just like bounces off him, um, where sort of he is essentially ordered to to like get Santiago in line. Santiago doesn't make four six four six on his next proficiency in conduct report. And I'm going to blame you. Then I'm going to kill you. Yes, sir. It's, it's pitch perfect. It's great. Um, and so, obviously, they, they come out of this meeting with the implicit order to uh, like punish him until he is uh, like a functional member of his platoon. Right? Um, so, meanwhile, uh, back in Washington... Back in the present, um, indeed. Yes. Um, oh, there was one other thing. I keep coming back to this scene because it's like it's the best one in the movie for me. I think um, th- there's like 
There's a, there's a bit where sort of like a Sorkin ideology leaks out, which is Colonel Drill, Colonel Jack Nicholson, he justifies himself a bit by saying the reason why we have to be, you know, a, a hard ass about this is because we're in the business of saving lives. And I think that's that's a Sorkin thing to think that the Marines think of themselves as saving lives. I think the most liberal Marine officer, including the sort of like dad glasses, war on the rocks thing, would say that they're in the business of taking lives. But it's mm. um, anyway. Back in Washington, uh, they are sending Tom Cruise down to Guantanamo Bay, but Demi Moore inveigles herself on the trip as well by appealing to uh, one of the men's aunts, Aunt yeah, Jenny. Yeah, his aunt, because it's, uh, it's, it's uh, Downey's uh, aunt, because he has no other living relatives, and basically she, she sort of talks to him because she doesn't think Tom Cruise is going to do them justice. He's already, the moment he gets in her office earlier, he's already talking about, Oh, I can plea bargain this down. They'll get like, you know, be out in like six months or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she wants to do more. So she kind of finagles herself into being his particular lawyer. So it gives her a reason to be on the defense team and have to basically shadow Tom Cruise and make sure he's actually doing something. Cruise meets Dawson and Downey. And he says, first of all, was the sponge that kills you instantly poisoned? They go, no, it wasn't. Um, he just yeah, died. They, we they don't, don't know what go, happened. no, it wasn't. They go, sir, no, sir. Yeah. And they're like fully at attention or parade rest the whole time. And it's like, do you know that Simpsons joke? Uh, the US Army, but a more alarmist name for it would be the Killbot Factory. <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> the, these navy officers go in there, and they're sort of like unable to make headway with these these enlisted marines because they're fully sort of like roboticized, mm. right? They've been droneified. It's it's the big sort of trope of people being like, well, all I know about the military is boot camp, so everything in the military must just always be boot camp. Yeah. Also, the idea that like the Marine Corps has military discipline, like to a fault. The Navy doesn't, because the Navy is where the like smart and urbane whiz kids go. And like, I, I'm not sure that that's a, an accurate characterization of the U.S. Navy. It's the Navy. But- I could definitely say the Navy is the most aristocratic of the U.S. military services. Uh, in that sense, I think I jokingly say because it is culturally the most British. <laughs> yep, it lends yep, its own most traditions from like the Royal Navy and stuff because it's like it's hard to have a Navy that isn't influenced by the Royal Navy. Mm. Fair enough. The yeah. US Navy really transphobic. And, and also, yes. <laughs> Cruz says, What's the code red? And they go, It's like an in- unofficial internal discipline. It's where you like, you beat the shit out of somebody or you, you know, you. Yeah, it's you, a the, blanket mar- the Marines party. like discipline uh, each other in an unofficial way. So, so they, they maintain like this mo- was a code red gone hazing. wrong. Yeah. Yes. Um, Not murder. And yes. And that they were ordered to do it. And. He is unable to get through to them. Tom Cruise is. He's like, uh, I, I, I'm the only friend you've got. But they're sort of like, they don't respect him. They don't like even really, you know, believe him. Tom, we meet Tom Cruise's opposite number in the prosecution, uh, who is a, a terrifyingly young Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> with a sort of weird flat top, Re- like looking like Guile. Very odd, strange, strange thing to <laughs> <Yeah>. see. <laughs> what? There's sort of a very stark divide here of uh, whether or not the actor did any, like, research or, like, knows anything about the military, Kevin Bacon passes that test because step, like, scene one, he gets the weird walk right, and also he literally points, like, with the edge of his hand. He does knife hands. And (laughs) so, this is is Captain Ross, 
who is a marine officer, and uh, he's he's going to be representing the government. He's going to be prosecuting. And Tom Cruise Marines. is like, well, they say they were ordered to do a code red, and and uh, Kevin Bacon's like, nah, Kiefer Sutherland specifically ordered them not to do that. Mm-hmm. And everyone saw to which this. Tom happen. Cruise goes, "Who the fuck is Kiefer Sutherland?" Yeah. I've never yeah. even. I never he, even come on, he was in I, I didn't mention this fucking guy. He's, he's doing like trading plus. <laughs> Twenty four hasn't now. come out yet. Right. Uh, it's um, trading with a plus. What does yeah. that mean, man? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, Tom Cruise does Chris Pratt shit. My notes say he does. He's he's kind of like mm. slightly goofy and like schlubby and and like funny and and quippy. And I'm like, oh, oh you yeah, this is like the Toronto Marvel. I know what the I know what the highest rating on the scum score is going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Um, he goes he goes to a newsstand where he and the proprietor just exchange sort of nonsense, which is in a in a way that's almost postmodern. I kind of like like it has no semantic good. content whatsoever. And he he goes and like talks things over with Weinberg, and he begins to feel that like things uh, like there's a cover up in motion, and so he is going to go to Guantanamo Bay. Uh, he is told to he, wear his he, navy whites, and he says, "I don't like the whites. Nobody likes the whites." <laughs> to to useful drops for future. I mean, it is careful, whitey. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it is a That's wildly impractical uniform. <laughs> yes, yeah. this whole conversation they have where he he meets with Kevin Pollack and he's like taking his kid around the block. Dev, I think you mentioned this in in the group chat, but like yeah, yeah. this whole is this is very Seinfeld esque. Kevin Pollack's bordering on Costanza like Kevin Kevin yeah. Pollock number of times gets really close to being extremely Costanza in his delivery and there's one in particular I'm going to tease out later on where he just hits pitch perfect like, nobody so- likes the white Sherry <laughs> <laughs> but so the, uh, he, he finds out that Demi Moore has like inveigled herself on as co-counsel they go to Guantanamo Bay wearing the whites where they're immediately told careful whitey because <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland is going to have to drive them past the fence line with Cuba, and if the Cubans see an officer wearing dress whites, they might decide to start World War Three by shooting them, so they have to wear camouflage. This is where the flames start, start coming out the side of my head the whole time when they first get to Gitmo. I think I scrawled in my notes here in all caps, it's like, why do they think Cuba's like going to like the Korean DMZ? I was getting very annoyed. It kind of it's works in like, the film's favor if that is a ridiculous position, though. That's yeah, true. It, that's, it that's really why does. I keep falling, I, that's why I actually keep jumping back between. I got to remind myself, is he trying to make it seem like they're being ridiculous or does he actually believe it's like that? And I, I, I keep battling with myself being like, well, no, maybe he's trying to point out how ridiculous this seems. So I keep jumping back and forth with that. Big flashing sign at the bottom is like, this is what they actually believe. <laughs> yeah, they actually believe the Cuban military is going to make a run on Guantanamo Bay. I reckon and the they're going to try it. Gonna be like, they just see a helpless. guy wearing white. Yeah. Be like, yeah, yeah, fuck it. Get it's him, like, get oh, go. Dome yeah. him off. So let's go. <laughs> I just, I don't like the whites. Like they the investigate whites. His, his barracks with Kiefer Sutherland, who now remembers to become Southern and start talking like Falkhorn Leghorn. Yeah. And it's Benoit Blanc shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Benoit Blanc, second lieutenant Benoit Blanc, goes, well, he was a substandard Marine, and therefore uh, he was probably killed because Jesus. I, yeah. I, I will mention soy. Jesus every sentence. He, he was soy, he, he was, was cucked. Uh, and not they say, based. yo, did you order the, the code red on him? And he goes, absolutely not. I specifically ordered the men not to touch him. They did it mm-hmm. on their own uh, for reasons. It had nothing to do with me. So they then go and have dinner or lunch with 
uh, Colonel Drill, Colonel Jack Nicholson. And we know who, that he's lying here because he says, yes. yeah, as soon as I heard Santiago was, was, you know, substandard, I ordered him to be transferred off the base on the next available flight, which was six o'clock the next morning, which we know that's a lie because we've seen him in flashback being like, no, keep him here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Demi Moore has some more questions for him than Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is kind of like overawed by him. Uh, and is you know he's still calling. Ooh, well, him, is he overawed or uh, is he kind of being being careful not to push him? Not sure. Not I think clear. it's it's left ambiguous. No. But Demi Moore pushes him, uh, and and she goes, "Well, do you do you have a copy of like the transfer order?" Um, no, 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 no. She doesn't request that. Tom Cruise does. Tom requests that. Yeah. To be fair, that Tom comes Cruise. after we get our second incident of of even You're worse right. military sexual yeah. harassment. She, she, right. she, 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 she asks him a question. I forget what the question is, but it, it annoys him. Right. And he, he, uh, Tom Cruise tries to overrule her, and uh, Colonel Drill says the thing that I had been thinking for the first, you know, 20 minutes of the movie. You know, it just hit me. She outranks you, Danny. You just noticed that. Um, just like, I and, wish anyone else would notice that. I wish she would notice that, actually. Yeah, that would make yeah, this much easier. And, <laughs> and then he deploys this kind of, like, insane misogynist thing about how... There is nothing on this earth sexier, believe me, gentlemen than a woman that you have to salute in the morning. And, okay, he's right. Yes, he's true. Right, but yes. true. <laughs> but right, there is no argument here, however. <laughs> the, the, fact, the fact that he is, like, saying this in front of her is, like, there's a couple of things here, right? Cin- yeah, Cinema Sin's ding. First of all, with witnesses... In front of witnesses, even in 1992, <laughs> that is a career-ending conversation. It has to be. Tailhook was the year before this, and even they had the sense to do that in, like, semi-private. Like, you, you can't well, well, do well, that. Well, well, that part was, like, bad, but even if he had ended it there, you know, maybe it might have been recoverable. But then mm. he says the second half of He that keeps thing. going! He's which, like, what about I getting did. sucked off? How about that, huh? He considered yeah. getting sucked off. To which Tom Cruise is like, "We should probably keep. We should leave the location now." Actually, <laughs> and and so, so the movie has this sort of like insane double standard where it's it, it gives Tom Cruise pause, right? It makes him reflect on his own previous actions. However, him doing the same thing to the same woman wasn't as bad because it wasn't like as crude, um, and it's it's like acceptably gross when he does it. It's gross and a charming so way. I think that's the real double standard of the scene, is that this misogyny is supposed to be bad, but it's also the same stuff that Tom Cruise was doing. The stuff about, and like, it's, oh, it's... you couldn't do this because it would end your career, I actually think that works in the scene's favour, because I think Colonel Drill knows that they're not going to end his career over this. He mm. feels I think he, Yeah, exactly. That's the point. And it underlines his character. He doesn't like being questioned. To, to, me, it, to me, it undermines a different aspect of his character, which is, if his deal is chain of command, and if his deal is not being undermined by another officer in front of a junior officer, he is, like, talking about a, a senior officer getting sucked off by her subordinate, yeah, or but, vice yeah, versa. No, you've missed the whole point of the character, Alice. Like, it's not that he cares about the chain of command, it's that he cares about the chain of command when it has him at the top. He also disparages the office of the president as just like, they'll elect some gal president and I'll have to do whatever she says. Like, he doesn't really care about the chain of command or the military, he cares about being in charge. He's just a bully. I suppose. He's, he's God on that mm. base and he just wants everyone to treat him as such. Exactly. He cares about the mm. chain of command insofar mm. that if he's at the top, everyone does exactly what he says. And on the way out, the other, oh, look, Cruz is like, we're done here, we're out of here. Is, 
Whereas one other thing. Yeah, he gets though, up and he is... does the fucking Columbo thing. He gets up yeah. and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I just well, before that, but, but, but oh, before God, that, he, there's one more thing, which is that he he gets to do the sort of like combat hard ass thing in a way that's really funny because it's about being stationed in Guantanamo Bay in 1992, where he's like, <laughs> I eat breakfast from four, you know, 300 yards away from 4,000 Cubans who are trained to kill me. You have no idea what it's like in a in like a forward area. And it's not a forward area. What the fuck I'm are not you dinging, having lunch like, at the beach? Like, come on. The whole time you say, like, oh, 4,000 Cubans trained to kill me. Dude, you're at Guantanamo Bay. Shut the fuck up. There's a fucking Macca's down the road from you, man. Like, come on, it's fine. Don't worry. Again, though, I think that works in the film's favor because we are also, like, as he's saying this, we're showing that, like, they're being waited on by, like, a, like a butler, essentially. Like, yeah. it's in the film's favor that he's exaggerating this and that he's unrealistic. But anyway, on the way out, Tom Cruise is like, oh, sorry, one more thing. Um, you said that you were going to have Santiago transferred off the base. Can I just get a copy of the transfer order? And Colonel Jessup's like, we see him visibly be like, oh, uh, fuck. Um, and then he gets really upset and he uses the F slur, which he should never, ever say, listeners. He should never, ever, <laughs> ever say that. Um, he, he, he calls, he calls a, his uniform like gay and soy and says, you've got to ask me uniform, nicely. It, it, yeah, the white uniform, he calls it mm-hmm. Um And he, he talks about his, his Harvard mouth. Um, I'm going to directly which, intervene to make sure none of us gets bleeped. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I don't know. I, I I have this joke that I, I I like to wheel out, which is that Colonel is probably as high as you can get with any of the truly oppositional personality disorders. But not this. <laughs> no, that, that's, not that's this absolutely oppositional. True. <laughs> and that's this is true. This is I because I feel like the vast majority of like the retired officers I see that end up going on like Fox News or just going on to say absolutely insane shit often top out at like. Lieutenant Colonel, Colonel. Occasionally, yeah. you get someone like Michael Flynn who somehow manages to politic his way up to general. But most of the deranged officers you see seem to be retired colonels. And this guy's absolutely going to end up on Fox News. A promotion to general officer has to go through Congress, and although it's kind of like a, a you know formality, there are plenty of times where it's easier to just go, "Yeah, we don't think Congress is going to do it. Stay a colonel forever. Get fucked." And that's like a sort of non-confrontational way of getting the angriest man in the world to not be mad at you anymore. Um, but so. Yeah, he he sort of like makes him like show more courtesy to him and like ask him nicely, which he does, and he gets the thing. And he like learns something about his reaction from that. At this point, he goes back to do some more baseball dipshit stuff. Back in DC, Colonel Markinson has disappeared, which mm-hmm. is not good. Um, and also, uh, Tom Cruise goes to Kevin Bacon. He's like, "Look, they say they were ordered to do this by Kiefer Sutherland, star of Phone Booth." And Kevin Bacon's like, well, that's great, but there's no way in hell you can approve it because I've got like 20 Marines who were all in the meeting where Kiefer Sutherland said, don't do it. Yeah. He explicitly ordered them not to do it. Yeah, so he's so like, take a plea bargain. And Denny Moore's like, no, we're going to take it to court. We think they're innocent. And the plea bargain is like remarkably good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It's so easy. It's like 15 days. Like, they even like, comment on this as well. They're like, it's kind of weird. Yeah, time served. They'll be home in six months. And he even pitches that to them like, you guys will be home in six months. But the Marines themselves don't want to take it because they're so convinced that they did the right thing by aggressively and violently yeah. hazing but their if, fellow Marine. But if they go to court <laughs> and lose, then Kevin Bacon's going to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to charge him with murder and like conspiracy, conspiracy murder, and it, they're yeah. going to be in prison for life. So like, take the deal. Mm-hmm. And they won't. But they, they won't don't do want to do, do it. They don't want to do it because they have a code, right? And mm-hmm. the other thing that I want to draw out here is if the movie thinks that, you know, the Navy doesn't have military discipline, but the Marines do, this movie also thinks that the Marines are samurai. 
right? It I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, I have yeah, my yeah. notes here, Marie. That the, the <laughs> again, and this might be a thing. Or now, now I am second guessing myself. That Avi said that like whether or not Aaron Sorkin actually believes this. Or, or no, he he's does. He does. He's fully, so this is what Aaron Sorkin actually believes, and it's like <laughs> he thinks the Marine Code is basically like Bushido that they have <laughs> to follow it every day of their lives to the utmost, and if they don't, they have to commit ritual suicide. This will be important later. Um, <laughs> the, tr- the true Marine mm. contemplates death every day of his life, and in fact, thinks of himself as dead. Yeah. So th- because of because of this code they have, which is unit, core, god, country. They they refused like the like the idea of getting a dishonorable discharge is like unacceptable to them. This will be important later. Um, <laughs> All these things in your mind, audience. So my notes say they, Tom Cruise reflects on the themes of the film. Um, he does. He has he does. You see some shots of him like sitting and thinking. And he genuinely just goes out. Monuments on. in the background. He goes out <laughs> on the town, just thinks about it. We see the fucking Iwo Jima statue for the second time this movie. Yeah. And he's like, now why would they? Give it to me when I've only ever settled out of court. Could it yeah. be that they don't want it to Why go to court? Why would they give this Why case I, to me, the baseball dipshit? Why would they give the case to the baseball dipshit? <laughs> and so he huh. gets this big moment they when they bargain because it is a cover up. Yeah, so they they go to uh, the the plea hearing where he is expected to come in and plead guilty. He comes in as class A's. I don't know what the Navy calls class A's, um, and he pleads not guilty, and he activates lawyer mode. He gives he them this big speech. <laughs> he does now, activate he, lawyer now mode. He is, now he's fully in charge, because he's just the better lawyer and both of them accept this, and so Demi Moore uh, and Kevin Pollock are now shifted to the role of his mum and dad, but also his interns. So he just he just goes, Before you come over and I pick up a carton of legal pads, half a dozen boxes of red pens, half a dozen boxes of black pens. How many pens come on those fucking boxes? It's like 200 fucking pens. How much document review are you doing that you're killing 200 viros? He actually just needs pens around the house and he just uses an excuse to get them to buy them for him. Yeah. Um. Um, Tom Cruise also says to Demi Moore, please don't wear that perfume in court. It'll break my concentration. And and she's Mm. like, oh, cool, sexy. Actually, it's got like pheromones in it. I I got it from someone (laughs) I went on a date with and... Yeah, ding, ding, ding. yeah. We, we, we get like five mo- the yeah montage of, of yeah. We do get like five hundred scenes <laughs> of them doing montage. Review. It's like yeah. shut up, motherfucker. But to himself, Tom, Cru- Tom Cruise is like, we're gonna fucking lose. Like yeah, Tom Cruise is number three. Mm. Yeah, he, he independently reproduces the the sort of the hell dude thing, which is that you know a judge cares less about the law and more about going into the courtroom deciding which one of you is the asshole and making the law fit accordingly. And so yeah, Not publicly wrong. he's like yeah. We're gonna do gonna do great privately. He's like, <laughs> we're fucked. We're so fucked, boys. Yeah, it's yeah, over. Yeah. It's over. Um, yeah. And I, I should say at this point, the the legal argument that they construct is nonsense, and it's <laughs> yes. nonsense in a way. Hundred percent. It's bullshit. Yeah. In a way that uh, D- Weinberg Kevin Pollock actually identifies right, which is they're not they're not responsible for their actions. It's not murder because they didn't intend to kill him. They didn't intend to do anything wrong because they were following an order. Now, you're a Bushido. Hmm. Yeah. I was following orders. That's called the Nuremberg defense. Sam Weinberg even flags is, this up. 
Yeah. And, and to which you get the <laughs> which you get the response. No, it's not. <laughs> Kevin Pollock is this whole thing where it's like uh, this is jumping ahead a bit. Where but Demi Moore asks him, you know, like you know, why do you hate them so much? And he's just like they tortured a weaker guy because they didn't like him because he couldn't run any fast fast as they could, and that's fucked up. And the whole time, I'm like, yes, he's right, and he should say he's it. spitting. <laughs> this man is and not. <laughs> he's right. To which her response is, would he would, would he ask her like she uh, he asks her. You know, why do you like them so much? He's like, oh, because they stand on a wall and say, yeah, I have this. Because they stand on a wall and they say nothing's going to hurt you tonight. And this is the thing. Fuck off. This is the thing. I... They make this sort of like uh, I, I think this is one of the things where we can give the movie too much credit because later yeah, on Jack Nicholson like, will do that. I'm standing the on the wall thing. Like, I know, it's supposed so to be ridiculous and fascist, but you hear it first from her in a sympathetic way, and so th- this thing, which is not at all an unclear point of law, the idea that you are legally responsible if you follow an illegal order, um, like it, it doesn't. They they mention Sam mentions Lieutenant William Calley. Uh, who was convicted of of war crimes at Milai. Um and their their argument, their moral argument is that doctrine that doesn't count if you're in enough danger and some of someone yelling at you. Because if someone <laughs> yells at you, you just do the thing. If that's the same as dying. <sighs> The flames were coming out of my head so hard at this point because he's trying. He, Tom Cruise has a whole monologue in court. I'm pitching like I got my head in my hands here where he's trying to explain like, oh, there's some orders that you 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 know you know you shouldn't obey. You know, and I'm just screaming. The phrase you're looking for is called unlawful order. It's in the UCMJ. Not only do you not have to follow an unlawful order, which includes cruel and unusual punishment of someone else, you are legally obligated to not follow it. And if you do, you are liable to be punished for it. <laughs> it just, that just sort of ruins the whole point as, of the movie, doesn't it, really? As a moral argument, too, it requires you to believe, and this is why I think that the mm-hmm. movie takes... Uh, the four, uh, 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans at Ernest, right, is it requires you to believe that being in Guantanamo Bay in 1992 as a Marine is more personally dangerous than being in fucking Vietnam. Yeah. During <laughs> the Vietnam War. Yeah. It's like, yes. it's, no, it's absolutely baffling. Like, it's, it's nonsense. It, and, um, and and so the, the the way that they construct this is oh well it'll, it'll it'll swing the jury and the jury care less about like facts it doesn't matter it's a legal argument as a point of law the judge can and in fact must throw it out it's it, but so they go to trial yeah anyway so so uh, their their basic point is just like well you know Kiefer Sutherland ordered them to do this and you have to obey orders when you're a marine samurai. And then they're like, Kiva Sutherland gave no such order. In fact, he deliberately ordered them not to. We get Cuba Gooding Jr. has a quick yep. policy and thing, who comes in and is like, yo, Kiva Sutherland, he was the star of Metal Gear Solid. He told me not, he told me not to do it. And Tom Cruise is like, ah, yes. <laughs> it's like, that was David Hater. Tom, Tom Cruise is like, ah, yes. Um, you know, yes, he ordered them to do that at like four o'clock. But then at like 4.05, Kiva Sutherland secretly went into Dawson and Downey's room and ordered them to do it, actually. He did a take backsies, but no one else saw it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's our whole argument. <laughs> the it's second like, order. Right, which is, cool. No, he didn't. Yeah. Um, it's like, cool, thanks. The base doctor is called as a witness, and he's just like, yeah, it was poison. Um, and then uh, Tom Cruise is like, what if actually you're shit? The base doctor is <laughs> yeah. the world's sweatiest and most nervous man. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, was it's, it a poison? It's really funny. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, great, it's, it's great cross-examination because he's like, Oh well, could he have had an like an undiagnosed heart condition that just made him die from having sponge in his mouth? Uh, <laughs> what if he's allergic to like, sponge? He had sponge in his mouth, kill you disease. 
Oh, no. Yeah, what if he had that instead of it being the sponge that kills you instantly and the base doctor is like, no. The base doctor is Because I staked my entire reputation on it yeah. being no, which yeah. is sort of an unforced error. The base doctor is um, like, look, if gender dysphoria isn't a real diagnosis, then all those committee reports are... <laughs> like, you're, you're telling me this entire data set that the, the American Psychiatric Committee like bases, that you're telling me that's all completely unreliable. Well, then we're going to have to turn all of medicine upside down. This is ridiculous. And Tom Cruise is like, what if it is actually? He's like, nah, fuck off. So at this point, they have to give Jo something to do, and because she's a woman, the only thing they can think of is to have her fuck up. Um, <laughs> yeah, she- oh yeah, yeah, we fuck it. Yeah, right. Oh, oh yeah. here we go. <laughs> she, she objects, and the judge goes, okay, overruled actually, and she goes, no, 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 check this out. I'm objecting a second time harder. And the judge goes, yeah, interesting, I- no still. <laughs> can, can I speak to your manager, Your Honor? <laughs> she yeah. tries a third one, and she's like, no, we must most strenuously object. And the judge is like, I've made a note of this. Shut up. And it's yeah. At this point, we get the argument between her and Sam about like, why, why do you like them? Why do you dislike them? And, and so on. We get some more cross-examination. Um, we we get like we get the goofball marine on the stand uh, and and um Captain who was, Ross. yeah I was hazed and it was good actually yeah it was yeah, based uh, it they, made me good they, they hazed the shit out of me for dropping my rifle never dropped my rifle after that um we get a fun so, bit by so, Kevin Bacon is just like you know can you tell me where it says this is what a code red is in the marine manual is like no it doesn't say it and, and so is, Kevin Bacon's is like alright snap and then and then Tom Cruise is like can you tell me where the mess hall is in the marine manual and he's like oh it's not in there I just follow everyone else he's like yeah exactly. See, this is the fun, thing, right? I think this is this is yeah, this is civilian writing because I think Kevin Bacon's argument makes more sense to a military uh, audience because the military, the U.S. military in particular, exactly the type of motherfuckers that would be writing down where the mess hall is. It's gonna be in something. Yes, um, it's gonna be in the. It's gonna be on your onboarding packet when you report. Yeah, exactly. And so his his argument is if. Everything that you do as a marine is like uh, is like prescribed, is written down somewhere. Why would you then do this thing that no one has written down? Um, it's like sort of it would be foreign to you as a samurai. It would be against your code of bushido. Um, and I guess that like a lot of the problems with the military at the end of the day is because you could have the most well written military justice you know code in the world. We don't, but. Um, it doesn't really matter if the culture is one in which you either consciously or subconsciously or actively or passively permit you to circumvent it in certain ways because it's it's like, well, it's okay for you to do it because it's for the unit or it's for lethality or this, that, and the other. And if you permit a culture that allows you to flout those rules in certain places, it doesn't matter if it's written down or not. You just have a cancer at the heart of the organization. Yeah. So at this point, Tom Cruise gets off work. He's like disheveled. He's got his like top button under. He's still wearing his class A's. He's like got like his tie down to his like uh, his sternum. He's got his jacket all open. Big cinema sins ding there. Um, you can't. You can't. You can't. You're not just like off work at the laws factory. There's a anyway. Um, but so he gets. He goes to get his magazine, and Markinson appears in the back of his car. He does the classic like. Backseat strangler thing of just getting hey, in Jason the back and him. him in there. It's yeah. also quite funny because he says, "Jesus, how'd you do that?" And he goes, "You left the door unlocked." 
Did you establish this earlier that Markinson, like the reason he was able to disappear was he was like, oh, he spent like the first half of his career like doing counterintelligence. He's basically Marine Jason Bourne. He'll blend in, disappear, you'll never see him again. We also also set up Tom Cruise not locking his fucking doors because when he pulls up at the the magazine seller the first time, the window's wide open, he just gets out and leaves it. And I was like, imagine being able to do that. Back in um, the day. <laughs> so Markinson says, yo, Kiefer Sutherland is lying. He did order the code red. Um, Colonel Drill fucking knows about it. Though, like he was mm-hmm. never going to be transferred off the base. The orders that you were given showing that he was a fucking fake. Um, and yes, oh, by the way, I'm going to be a witness. Um, and there was there was an earlier flight. Yeah. They said they were going to get him on the next flight. There was an earlier flight that he wasn't on. If you can prove that exists, that's like the smoking gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kevin Bacon so, comes by and is just like, "Yo, if you if you fucking accuse Colonel Drill of of committing a crime, of like ordering this illegal shit, that'll be your mm. career if you're wrong. And if you not accuse just your him career, you evidence, will be court martialed. Yeah, this yeah. like it's a crime to accuse an officer without evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the stakes so, are are rising. You know we present yeah. we've been presented with a conflict, an opportunity." But, you know, now we're in the middle of Act 2, Tom Cruise, and so we're seeing what the consequences of the opportunity might be. So, well, you know, escalating well, tension. Ross, Ross, Ross has a really fun line here, which is... Don't you dare lump me in with Jessup and Kendrick just because we wear the same uniform. It's like, is um, wearing the same uniform a really good reason to lump you? <laughs> like, that's not what the point it's for? of wearing the uniform? <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> I wear so the uniform, Ross is like I'm the... shaking my head the entire time so people yes, know I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ross is like the good marine. Um, yeah. mm. uh, so they, they but, try so, this shit. They get Kiefer Sutherland on the stand and they're like, did mm. you order the code red? And he goes, nope. And Kiefer Sutherland's like, I did not because of Jesus. No. And they're like, <laughs> oh, okay. but, but, but did you? And he goes, no. So it's kind of not really working. And also they get the flight logs from the airport and they're like, the flight logs just say Colonel Drill is right and telling the truth and it's good actually. Mm-hmm. Signed, not Colonel so, Drill. So the- they're going to have to call Markinson, but Markinson, he's been composing his death poem. He's sitting cross-legged on his tatami. He's got his fucking wakizashi <laughs> ready to go. Um, and he commits marine seppuku. He shoots he himself in the fucking mouth. And he puts his fucking, um, like, fucking nickel-plated Beretta 92. Yeah, very, yeah. very nice weapon, that. Uh, on the basis that, like, he has dishonored himself by failing to protect is it a Beretta? the FC Santiago. Yeah, it is. A, a yeah, it's a, it's a, they, they incorrectly later say it's a forty-five, but it is clearly like supposed to be like a, a Beretta ninety-two uh, nickel-plated. And his his whole death poem is actually addressed to Santiago's parents, basically saying like, "Your son is dead because I wasn't strong enough." Mm-hmm. As I've said on the podcast before, I once tried to put something from Beretta in my mouth as well, but uh, sadly she ran off with the chef. Genuinely weighed up saying it earlier, but <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be the first. God. Nobody likes the one. There you go, boys. <laughs> All right. Listeners, if this is the first time listening to the podcast, I once unsuccessfully tried to date the heiress to Beretta. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so, th- this, this throws Tom Cruise into a tailspin, right? He, he gets drunk, he hangs out in the rain, he comes back to the sort of like his apartment where they've been, been working on it, and he is like a gigantic, aggressive piece of shit to both of them. Yeah. In a they way get that downy. I'm not sure would fly now. They get Downey on the stand, and, and they're like, oh, did you, you know, did Kiefer Sutherland order you to give the code red? And he's like, oh, yes, he did. And it's like, what time was this? Anyway, Kevin Bacon, through some like clever maneuvering, establishes that actually Downey wasn't even in the room when Kiefer Sutherland allegedly gave this order. He heard it secondhand from Dawson. Using the, the really cool um, writing and courtroom method of something that we didn't know. 
Yeah. It's like, cool, man. <laughs> yeah. I just, I like, uh, it's like, it would have been nice if we had the opportunity to, to figure that one out ourselves, but that's fine. It doesn't matter. So, 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 so Demi Moore, with her cigarette voice, goes, listen, what you got to do is you got to put Jessup, Colonel Drill, on the stand. And t- Tom Cruise is drunk and he's yelling. He's wearing an entirely like soaked overcoat the whole time. And he's like, no, fuck you. He's genuinely aggressive in a way that I don't think would keep stay like keep the audience's sympathy now. He does Jim Carrey later. shit, actually. It's it's remarkably yeah, Jim he's Carrey like this scene. Joker pilled. This is about, um, I think, the most this is the most yelling Sorkin we get in this thing. This is peak yell Sorkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I write down here, dead dad, because his dad was like the attorney general. His dad was, was the like, attorney was general. And he died before he went to law school. And that's been kind of, it, it, it hangs over him this whole movie because everyone keeps fucking and reminding him, hey, how about your dead dad? He was pretty great, huh? <laughs> yeah. But she's like, look, it's it's act three of, of the film when, yeah. you know, we're at our lowest point. In order to get out of you this, to do you need denouement. to do something risky and also complete your character arc, Tom Cruise. And he's like, ah, yeah. rah, rah. Um, and then I, he, I don't want to. We we got You gotta accuse Colonel Drill of doing a crime and like hope he just goes. Yes, I did actually. Um, she 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 leaves in the rain. He goes after her, drunk driving, big yeah, cinema scene. Cool. Ding at this Sick. point. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, cool actually. It's he, gets like, a, he gets a pep talk from from uh, from from Kevin Pollock where I get Sorkinism number six uh, any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah. He's like, it, it doesn't matter what your dad would do. It doesn't matter what I would do. It's what you would do. Uh, and my, so he my like, favorite he, um, dad reference is earlier on during the the scene where he meets uh, Colonel Drill for the first time. Oh, where Drill part. is like, "Oh, by the way, this guy's dad desegregated a few schools or something." Like, like he specifically like, says to Kedrick, "It's like, oh yeah, he yeah, desegregated schools in your part of the country, you piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hmm? you know how you're racist? Like, yeah. Um, so, so they get they get back to the thing. He sobers up and he's like, "I need my stimming bat, right? I need my baseball <laughs> bat." Because I'm I'm the baseball dipshit. I need yeah. to fucking stim on this shit. It makes me a better lawyer. Yeah, and it, it it does because as soon as he gets his bat, he's like, when I when I asked for the transfer order, it like provoked him and it made him mad because he doesn't like being questioned and he wants to admit it. He he doesn't think he did anything wrong. He thinks he made a command decision. And I, I can get him to say it. He also sees um, all of his clothes hanging in his own wardrobe and has a bit of a brainwave, which is yeah. Quite we don't um, figure out then. He 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 elaborates later. This is something we have been given the opportunity to figure out for ourselves. It is. This I is like, true. That's why I like this one so much. Colonel Jill comes in. They put him on the stand, and he's like, "Yep, I ordered the transfer, and I also said, you know, don't touch him, don't code red him." Um, and Tom yeah. Cruise and is, is like, "This is my favorite part of the movie because yeah, the like the, the big gotcha stuff that happens after this. That's that's less good. What I like is the sort of like the building cross examination of like." boxing out things where this cannot possibly have happened, where you're laying little traps, reminds me of why I wanted to be a lawyer. Yeah, same. And it's just fully like, all of your orders are obeyed constantly, right? And he goes, yeah, of course. It, it wouldn't be like meet for another Marine to, to question one of your orders, or like ignore one of your orders, or decide that it didn't apply to him. He goes, no. Yeah, yeah, because he says, is there any chance, you know, you ordered Kiefer Sutherland, tell the men not to touch Santiago. Any chance Kiefer Sutherland went, I'm Kiefer Sutherland, I don't need to listen to this, because I do trading plus adverts, you know, I'm going to order it. And <laughs> Colonel Jessup's like, no, when I give orders, they're followed, absolutely. Um, and then Tom Cruise is like, okay, if you gave an order for Santiago not to be touched, and your orders are always followed, why did you try and transfer him off the base? 
Yeah. And Jack Nicholson yeah, he, he says earlier, he's just like, I ordered Santiago to be transferred because I thought his life was in danger. And Tom Cruise is like, well, grave danger? And he's like, is there any other kind? And he makes like a massive amount of hay about this. He's like, well, if you wanted him to be fucking transferred, like, why would he be in danger if you ordered them not and to touch him? He like calls in the stuff he has like built up, mm-hmm. which is like, if he was leaving in the morning, why didn't he pack any of his clothes? Why didn't he call anyone? He does this and... really funny thing as well, which is he, when he mentions the um, the flight logs being doctored, he co- he brings in to like uh... brings it to uh, airmen from Andrews Air Force Base where the flights would land, yeah. which sort of inferring that like, oh, after I'm done with you, I'm going to get these guys on, and they're going to fucking they're going to have your number, buddy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. really really funny. And he, he um... rattles he rattles Jack Nicholson. He like goes for it. Um... And uh, and like Jack Nicholson's really really upset. Cruz is deliberately rude to him and disrespects him. We get that you can't handle the truth, and then he gives yeah, but this. There's big... a thing about the you can't handle the truth, right? Mm. Which is he 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 gives the big speech, which is you want me on that wall, you need me on that wall. I provide the 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 freedom and the security that allows you to like smarm at me. And this is like explicitly not sympathetic now. Now that we're not hearing it from Demi Moore. Yeah, but, the Colonel Drill's basically going, there's actually zero difference between good and bad things, you imbecile, yeah. you fucking moron. <laughs> and, and so he, he pushes him, in, and he asks him the question, did you order the code red? But before that, because he's like arguing with him, because he's shouting at him, the judge says, I will hold you in contempt. And before, a second before he asked him, did you order the code red, the judge says, you are in contempt. Now, you're in contempt of court. Not only does Colonel Drill not have to answer the question, did you order the code red? But whether he chooses to answer it or not, his answer is inadmissible. This is at best a mistrial, but it doesn't matter because it's a legal confection, it's fiction. But it bothered me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but he says, did you order it? And he, and he says, you got damn right, I did. Yeah, the judge says, you don't have to answer that. And then uh, Colonel Drill responds, I'm about to win the Brian Cox Memorial Award in intelligence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yes, yes. <laughs> it was a top secret hazing ritual, <laughs> and and he admits to it, uh, and thus incriminating himself. And the the thing is, right again, legally, this bothers me. This doesn't make his his like uh, Tom Cruise's clients not guilty of murder. It just doesn't. There, there, there is no just because they were ordered to do it. It just makes him guilty of murder as well, conspiracy murder. It doesn't. But it doesn't matter. I'll be guilty, yes. but like it doesn't mean those guys are suddenly off the hook. <laughs> yeah, and and so what we get is like a sort of a, a readily comprehensible to the layman jury verdict, which is the jury. The jury come back. They find the two marines not guilty of murder and conspiracy murder, but they do find them guilty of conduct unbecoming, which you can't charge an enlisted marine with because it's conduct unbecoming an officer an and a gentleman. Officer, thank you! Thing. It's not conduct unbecoming of a marine, it's very... <laughs> yeah. This, this, um, is, this is Aaron's, again, and again, I, I love a lot of things about Aaron Sorkin, I'm being hard on him because there's a lot of things I love about him, but he's definitely the type of creator who cares more about vibes and whether or not something feels like it's coming off good versus whether or not it's actually right or possible yeah. or correct in any way. What's, what's interesting is that Ross arrests Colonel Drill, which he doesn't have the authority to do. He's a lawyer. The, 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 there are MPs there, but he, he arrests him. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, it's because he needs to complete his character. Like. Yeah, yeah, and it's, then it's after, a writing after this is like, because yeah. it's a movie we're watching, really. Yeah, is, is the thing. I know. 
that, that you, you will never get me to not be autistic about movie. <laughs> I understand, especially uh, law um, like thing, especially law and military. Like I'm not excited. Yeah, this is this is catnip for yeah, me. Yeah, my notes just say Alice. Um, so Colonel Drill <laughs> gets arrested. Dawson and Downey get dishonorably discharged. Um, and then yeah, this is another thing, right? I don't think that Aaron Sorkin knows what a dishonorable discharge is, right? I think it's, it's something the movie presents as this is bad because it offends the Marines sort of like sense of honor, right? But it's not so bad now. And in fact, Tom Cruise gets the, his sort of arc completed when he says to, uh, to Downey, you don't need to wear a patch on your arm to have honor. And he gets like a, a, a salute returned because he's Downey an officer salutes now. him and says the theme of the yeah. film, which is lawyers are like troops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Straight but into lawyers the are real troops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to just to sort of like throw a bit of cold water on this, a, a dishonorable discharge. You are retrospectively not a veteran. You don't get VA healthcare. You don't get the GI Bill. Um, it's like analogous to like a felony conviction. Yeah, you'll have this a hell of a time getting a job. Still really bad. And the, the movie can't decide whether that's good or not. Right? It can't decide whether murdering a guy in a sort of a hazing ritual and then feeling bad about it is like forgivably bad or not and sort of where the responsibility comes down on the side of yes it is i think the movie very strongly comes down on the side of that Downey even actually kind of says that and he kind of says something that that i agree with and i'm kind of like yeah you should have thought about that where you know because because um uh i'm 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 forgetting the 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 name of the other guy private twink um dawson and downey are the, the two guys dawson's the massive guy yeah, Dawson's the the one who says basically because because uh, other guys having a hard time understanding like why you know this is happening and he's just like well we were supposed to we were we got punished because we were supposed to look out for people like Willie we weren't supposed to be hazing and torturing and whatever then we were supposed to be looking out and protecting people like that and it's like yeah should have thought of that earlier before literally all of this you fucking dipshit I think it's it's definitely when you when you're on trial for murdering someone a lot of the time you're going to be thinking things like. I shouldn't have done that. And it's not really <laughs> apotheosis to your character. I never thought that. You still killed someone. <laughs> well, I know, we ha- we've heard your thoughts about this in Saloon. Mm-hmm. Revenge course, is fine, it's good, it's cool. But it's, yeah, I thought it was really weird when Dawson looked directly down the barrel of the lens uh, and said, in a liberal democracy, uh, the military ought to be commended but must be under the democratic uh, command of the people and the rule of law. I was like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, Interesting. It's, it's, sort of, it's, it's, very, it's very sort of warmed over Frank Capra. It's liberalism. Stuff. It's like, um, this. okay, so let's fucking do the analysis soon before we go on yes, to Yes, please, let's do the, it's, the analysis It's like zone. clear and present danger because it's a movie about liberalism and it's like, yes to the rule of law, yes to democracy, like lawyers are the real troops, the troops are but also like lawyers are better because you know it's about obeying the rules and i'm like okay on the one hand like you know we live in in 2023 where like liberalism is collapsing because it's a dying ideology we all know this um but also yeah, the I'm reason like, why i stopped wanting to be a lawyer yeah you know, but at the same time I'm like i understand why movies like this are popular or why they were popular i am saddened that they don't make movies that really kind of like defend liberalism anymore or at least the, the values of it it's it's a shame that this kind of thing isn't isn't made anymore. It's kind of a lost lost art, and that's why I chose it because I think it's an artifact of like a very different culture that existed not that long ago. I hundred yeah. percent agree with you, and and I, I wish not only that they would at least someone would try and make movies like this that defend or advocate for something else, even if liberalism is a dying dying ideology, just something that encourage like, hey, maybe we can aspire to something better than just either saying everything is fine while everything's on fire around us or saying actually everything is shit and it's going to be shit forever. Just give me yeah. something. 
I think they do make movies that advocate for something. I just think that we're, it's becoming increasingly fascist. Like, I think, look at, like, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the Jason Bourne That's series... Like, movies like, advocating for something that isn't fascism, like, advocating for something just like that's that has hope and 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 the idea that the world can be better in a way that's not fascistic somebody out there needs to make a a youtube video essay about the evolution of jack ryan as a character over the entire jack ryan series i'm not gonna make it because it's not on rand but like you know write it and i'll like retweet it or something Mm. yeah Um, sorry i won't do that i I won't i won't even watch it um, i cannot promise that at all i won't but make it it'll be good for your career I feel similarly to the West Wing, right? And the, the West Wing occasionally managed to get me sometimes. And sometimes watching Aaron Sorkin, I would feel myself be like, oh man, maybe I am an American patriot. That's fucking weird, considering I've only been there once. It's like, y- y- in order to, there's so little of this kind of like idealistic, optimistic nationalism that even a crumb of it is like potentially quite powerful. Um, and I think this movie is like probably as good as Sorkin gets. I think it's legally incoherent. Uh, morally naive, uh, profoundly misogynistic. However, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, it's, think it would it's be still compelling. Yeah, it's, it's compelling. It's, I enjoyed watching it. It I compels me though. It's probably uh, lucky you, for Aaron Sorkin like that a, we don't scum bonus movies. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 I think you put can like guess um, what it's going to be based on. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you you put like a sort of a soft focus of an, uh, like an American national monument, and you play some like sort of mournful strings over the back of it. I'm I'm standing up and I'm saluting from my gamer yeah, chair. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they showed the fucking Iwo Jima shit like yeah. four or five times. It started to become a joke yep. by the end. Contrast that mm-hmm. to the moment in uh, No Time to Die when Rafe Fine says, I believe in 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 this. Something. And in, kind in of this, like gestures this, yeah. around at South Bank and it's like, you believe in fucking what? <laughs> like, what? Yeah. We don't make movies like this in this country because we don't, have fucking and what do we have like we don't Churchill? have anything man like, like that's <laughs> you can make it if it's set in world war Two, but other than that it's like no we're fucking done actually and then we, and then we don't I, make uh, it anymore in this country just because everyone's just kind of like uh i don't know not to the degree of britain but just like i don't know this post 9-11 just everything is gray nothing can be good and and hopeful and i don't know movies like this and, and the west wing these sarkin things they remind me of where i came from and that i used to be a very sort of Milk toast, progressive liberal, and even though my politics have changed, they sort of remind me of. I mean, I don't know. There are aspects of this that I think I will never totally get out of my system, even as my politics have changed. I mean, I'm the guy who goes on the internet and says, "Hey, even if you elect president leftists and get a DSA supermajority in Congress, you'll probably still need a military." But like for different reasons, and I don't know. This is, I think, it. I, I this is part of why this still appeals to me in a way, even if I can rip it apart in a million different nitpicky ways. I think we should make movies like this again. I'd be interested to see someone yes, try absolutely. and make like a pro-liberalism movie now. Just even if it fails, I think so it will fail funny. in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. You, you know the Gandhi joke about like Western civilization or something? I think it'd be a good else. idea, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about like, you know, a, a liberal rules-based international order. It's like, you know, great, when do we start? Like, <laughs> it's, a ni- it's a nice, comforting idea and it's very appealing. And uh, it, it's it's something that, for me at least, like didn't sort of survive contact with even the sort of attenuated version of reality you get in like the second year of law school. But like, it, it's 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 a nice idea. It's a beautiful idea to be like, man, everyone should be subject to the law, and it should be equal, and there should be sort of like even uh, Captain America, the character, like Captain mm. America, who is a character in movies currently being made, does not act in in a way that defends these values at all. In fact, he's starkly like no. apolitical. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's yeah, grim what we've sort of retreated us. from. Um, 
The Falconer Rose Soldier Boys. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, that was that was a few good men, and I think we've what we've all learned is that about uh, sort of the current geopolitical settlement is that truly we cannot handle the truth. Big round of applause for that. Hey, oh, yeah, we're Thank all you. libs now. We're all voting Keir Starmer. Uh, we're restoring <laughs> dignity of the institutions. That's right. That's I right. I do have a statement uh, to enter into the record. For, please. For, so it pleased the court to the warning to the listener <laughs> that if you go into this movie expecting in any capacity for John Goodman to appear, you are going to be sorely disappointed. Uh, I know yeah. it's called A Few Goodmen, but <laughs> he does not I appear. strenuously object <laughs> to the lack of John Goodman. <laughs> oh, you strenuously movie. object. Oh, okay. So I But this has been Kill James Bond. We will return with... God, what is it? Like the helicopter spies? It's the helicopter yeah. spies. Like, yeah. Does our guest have any helicopter spies? Yeah. Uh, Where can the people you, find you? you uh, if you want to listen to me uh, rant about war and international relations and defense stuff, you can find me at, at war underscore takes on the twitter.com. And if you just want to see me shit post and post dumb furry stuff, you can find me at, at Komodo Dad. And I just want to say to the three of you, thank you very much for having me on. This is one of the few podcasts where I can say I've been listening since the first episode and I've Thank Loved you. it all, and I was very flattered and humbled and extremely nervous you asked me that. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. The, your, your reward is every time we do a sort of military courtroom trial movie, we will get you back on for this. <laughs> you you hey, have hey, now been typecast. Any- I hope you like the movie Heart's War. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever got sick of me by this point, I'll definitely come back and I say, you have to do another movie which involves yelling and Tom Cruise and Navy uniforms. You have to do Top Gun at some point. Mm. Oh my God. Yeah, we, will. we do oh. have to do Top yeah. Gun at some point. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's on the that's on the docket now. In the meantime, uh, court is adjourned. We'll take a one week recess and then reconvene to do the helicopter spies. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Kill James Bond. That was a fun one. I always like to get to do some analytical ones in between the ridiculous ones. It's nice to get to do more serious bonus episodes while the the mainline series is so inherently ridiculous. We may swap form soon, do a more serious mainline series and ridiculous bonuses, but it's, it's nice to have them mixed. Speaking of ridiculous mainline episodes, next week on the free feed... The Helicopter Spies. We're nearing the... Oh god, we're not even nearing the end of Uncle. Oh god, there are weeks left. Okay, well, um, in that case... Apparently, you don't have to give us any money in order to continue getting all of these benefits, but this is the final month. Starting on the 1st of March, you will have to pay for these again, because it's the winter of content, not the forever of content. Um, but even though you don't have to pay for it right now, some people still choose to, and I would be remiss if I did not read out the names of our £15 and above patrons, and those are Candy Fox, Amanda Comet, Freya Aloysius, Gustavo Lira, Jack Holmes, Mike Berg, Thomas Oberhart, Nick Boris, Kentucky Fried Commie, Yarrick, Nato Mori, Cohen Enright, Harriet DeCock, Labour Delenda Est, Commissar Ozymandias, they of thems, Library Hitman, Beef Crime, Jack Drummond, Jonathan Gerdes, Callan Burney, Max Game and Hart, Jay Martindale, Kit Divine, Hell, Lysamesh, Jonathan Siegel, Harrison Fuller, Big Titty Goth Girl, Mothman, Harp O, George Rohack, Trip, Clara, Alex, Violet Cybra, Liz and Ash in Florida, A Trans Robot, Men's Room Louie, Connor's Cool Big Sister, Ronan, The Spy Who Ruined My Marriage, 
Anne Ruby, Isopod Gal. Oh no, it's Andrew, 95. Elizabeth Cox, my jokes keep being on the wrong episode. Ah, there's no reason to give up. Just keep trying. Zoe Shepard, turf seed shit and die alone. Gwen Valeri, Ben Ross, Alfredo, Wolfie, Big Old Boy, Al Irwing, Robert Greensmith, Millie, Josh Simmons, Lauren Bastin, Roll History Pod, Artemis Potter and Elizabeth Paul, Ray Area, and Josie. Hill James Bond is Alice, Abigail, and Devon. Our producer is the wonderful Nate Fay. Our podcast art is by Matty Lipchansky, and our website is by Tom Allen. See ya. <laughs>